And what's really interesting about the picture is that there are actually six people in the painting. Now, it's really difficult to see. Dan's a bit concerned about this. He said, I want to see all the people. And I'll come on to this, but this is actually by design. The fact that the two figures who are the most prominent are the father and son is part of the drama of the picture. Um, but there are actually six people. So on the left-hand side at the bottom, in the light, are the father and son. And then the figure that's most clear, apart from those two, is on the right-hand side. Oh, look at that team. Um, this is the elder brother. Well, thought to be the elder on this side. Now, just behind the elder brother, seated and just about to see him, is an older man with a moustache, and he's thought of perhaps to be a servant, and the And the final two figures, they were really difficult. They actually really, really difficult to be made up of the But there's a face that's in the middle of that. There That's a woman. Possibly the mother of the eternal son, or maybe the sister. And the final figure, she's even harder to see. She's actually right there, and you can see kind of just about seeing this one. And she's thought to be a servant. She's actually coming down the flight of steps. Now, the reason why it's difficult to see them is not an accident. Rembrandt has specifically painted this so that your eyes are drawn to the father and the son. Um, the other characters, in a way, are almost incidental. The, the purpose is to draw our eyes to them. Now, I'm just going to say something briefly about the elder brother, because he's the kind of clearest of the other characters. You can see the light on his face. And what Rembrandt's done here is he's kind of blended two bits of the story, which actually in Luke 15 don't happen together. Because in Luke 15, the reconciliation between the father and the son is on the road as the father goes out, runs out to meet the son. The elder brother is not there. It's later when the elder brother hears of all the preparations that are going on, and he says to the servants, what's going on? And they say, your, your brother's returned. to talk to the elder brother. So Rembrandt's kind of squeezed him in on this moment, although in, in the story in scripture he's not there at this point. And it's quite clear from the posture of the elder brother that he is not happy. He's drawn at a, he's painted at a distance from the father and the son. He's looking down. His face is an expression of dis disapproval. And he's wringing his hands, which would have been a sign of displeasure. Okay, so he's there in the picture really as a contrast to what's going on between the father and the son. Okay, so the focus of the picture, the focus of the scene, is where the light falls. And in the light is this incredible embrace between father and son. And the father is bathed in this beautiful, warm, welcoming light. And he's bending down to the son to embrace him. The father's face is joyful. Oh, 
all this the mother hand. So the father has these two different hands that are embracing the lost son. Now, let's have a look at 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 7 and 11. I don't know, I wonder whether this was even in Rembrandt's mind when he was thinking about painting this. So this is Paul, and he's writing to the church of Thessalonica, and he's talking about the time that he spent there with them, and the way in which he discipled them. And he says this, We were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. We treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. It's interesting, isn't it? So Paul's describing this process of discipleship, the way in which he discipled the believers, as having these two hands. That he was like a mother, and that he was like a father in the way that he discipled. And these are two different aspects, two complementary aspects of discipleship. And what I just want to say before we explore this a bit more is that this is not about gender roles. What Paul isn't saying here is that the women in the church must be feeding and caring for the believers and that the men in the church must be pleading, encouraging and urging the believers. What he's saying is not about gender, it's about two aspects of discipleship which both men and women the mother and the father. Um, now, I first heard this kind of concept that the two have spoken about actually quite a few years ago. It's probably seven or eight years ago. Um, and I'd seen this picture before, but I never, I never looked at the hands. I never thought to look at them as no picture. And it was actually a pastor from a church in Denmark that I heard speak about it. And um, he said a really interesting thing. He said, rather than calling these hands the father hand and the mother hand, he said, I've come to think of these as the hand of invitation, the hand of support, as the mother hand, and the hand of challenge, the father hand. Invitation and challenge. And actually, when we start to look, when we start to look through the Gospels, at how Jesus disciples people, the hand of invitation or support, because that's really what invitation is getting at, it's about support. The support hand, the invitation hand, and the challenge hand are just everywhere. I'd love to spend a bit more time this morning looking at examples of how Jesus disciples in this way, but actually I don't have time. It's maybe something to think about another time. But the best example, one of the best examples I can think of is in the Great Commission. So I'm going to have a look at that verse together now. So, Matthew 28, 18 to 26. Jesus' last words to his um, disciples. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make 
disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, the first part of that commission, in terms of challenge, I just think it's like off the scale, in terms of like, how high is that challenge? It's like, go everywhere and tell everyone. And even today, when we live in an age of global communication, that seems to I don't know what they must have been thinking at that point. They must have been like, what? Those freaking out. I mean, it's, it's overwhelming. It's like the, the level of challenge is so high in that statement that he's given to his disciples. It's like off the scale. And actually, if that was all he had said, I think that would have been really brutal and actually just completely overwhelming. If he would stop there, go everywhere, tell everyone. But he doesn't because he disciples with both hands. And the next thing that he says is, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now I don't know about you, but that as a level of support or invitation, that is really high. He's not saying, I'm with you a bit of the time, and with you if it gets really difficult and you really don't feel like you can cope on your own, and with you, you know, every second Tuesday, I'm with you when I go to the time frame diary. It's like he's saying, I'm with you always and everywhere and at all times. I'm never leaving you. And so the level of, of challenge is like really high, but the level of support, the level of invitation is equally high, isn't it? Yeah, it's, and Jesus does this again and again and again. There are lots of statements in the Gospels that we read and we think, oh my goodness, take up my, take up my cross, lay down my life, what, what? Oh, but come to me if you're heavy laden and weary, and I'll give you rest. Sometimes it feels like Jesus has got this like split personality. You're like, what? Do I just do that? Oh, it's okay. You're saying you can do this. It's because it's the two hands. He's never just going to challenge us and leave us with no support. He's never going to give us a lot of support and forget about the challenge. Um. So, what I want to um, do is. Make a little bit of application of this and how we can how we actually outwork this. And I think for me personally, once I start thinking about invitation, support, and challenge, I can see it all over my life on an individual level. The times when I've felt the most challenge in the way that Jesus is discipling me is also the times when I've really come to Him and I felt His presence. Um, and I think in our own journeys, we can look back and we can really see this at work in how Jesus is discipling us, how the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. But this morning I want to make um, an application for us as a community, together as a church community, how we can be a community that embraces challenge and embraces.
child because just so bad at PowerPoint. But Dan's actually helped me to make this. So this is all credit to Dan. Okay, back. Um, there are two arrows on this diagram. So the horizontal arrow um, is moving from a low challenge, not very challenging, up to high challenge. Okay, so at the end of high challenge, we've got like John Snow, which is implicit violation, isn't it? So it's like John And then the horizontal arrow is low invitation, a low level of support, up to <coughs> high support. Okay, I will be with you everywhere, always, at all times. And what we're going to do is we're just going to look at what it looks like to be a community in the four areas around that diagram. So we're going to start with low challenge and low invitation because it's rubbish and we're going to not spend very long on that at all. Okay, so community that is low challenge and low invitation. What does that look like? Okay, so community that is lacking in a sense of direction, community that is low on purpose, low on mission, community that is essentially not very welcoming and not very open to new people, community where relationships are mostly superficial and where there is a lack of care within the community. Um, this is the board community. And it's, that's actually, I discovered it quite a lot about emojis doing this talk. That is the emoji for boredom, but it's also the emoji for tiredness, because it's yawning. And it's actually really fitting, because not only is this community boring, it's apathetic. It's the apathetic community. Now, I haven't put the dying emoji on there, I was tempted to, because ultimately this is the dying community. Um, this, this community doesn't have life about it, and we're not going to spend long talking about it because if any of us have ever been anywhere near it, we haven't been near it for long because it's really rubbish. But this is not, this is not what we aspire to, um, to be the, the community of boredom, low challenge So we're going to move on quite quickly, and we're going to look at high challenge and low invitation, low support. So a really high level of challenge, but not a lot of support. And I've called this the stressed out community. Okay, now, um, where are we? Oh yeah, okay, so, I'm gonna start with positives because the high challenge is a positive. Some of you might struggle to believe that, but I will explain in a minute why. But high challenge is really a positive. So high challenge is a community that is visionary and has a vision which is stretching and requires faith. It's a community that's committed to missional living and outward looking beyond the community itself. It's a community that gives permission to fail. It welcomes new ideas and it's entrepreneurial. People in the community are drawn together in a sense of shared purpose and shared direction. And the focus is on the task and people are energized by doing it together. Okay, now some of you are thinking, oh my goodness, that doesn't sound very attractive. But actually, we'll come on to this. God has wired us with a preference, I think, for one hand or the other. And it's really interesting, communities that I've been a part of, Christian communities, that are very high challenge, that are very entrepreneurial, tend to attract more people of that ilk. 
because there is something about that that is really energizing. If that is your strong hand, if that is your preferred hand, it's really, really energizing. But the reason why it's stressed out is because there is low invitation. So the problem is not the challenge, the problem is the lack of support. So too much emphasis on the task over the team. So people end up feeling used. Programs taking over the relationships. Often unhealthy balance between work and rest, so people burn out. Change can feel overwhelming in the pace or the scale because there isn't the support there. And ultimately, everyone starts to feel quite stressed. That's the stress emoji. Now, some of us, including myself, have maybe had some first-hand experience of the stress out community. I'm really pleased to say I haven't experienced it in the 10 years that I've lived in Edinburgh, but I have experienced it in the past. Um, and I was thinking about it this morning because there, there is almost a kind of, um, there's this kind of feeling sometimes in this sort of community that um, because everybody is working so hard, because everybody is really, really driven, because everybody is really, really busy, that somehow this is like a wonderful ideal to attain, that we're all working so hard. And what you want, you know, there's, there's been times when what I felt is like, you know, God, I really deserve a medal for this, you know, like, well, I've myself at the kingdom. And I really felt the Holy Spirit was saying to me, just look at the medal. Okay, what I want to have written on the medal is, well done, you know, because I'm a teacher and I like a sticker. <laughs> and actually, the Holy Spirit was like, look what's written on the medal. It's pride. It's written on the medal. And I was like, oh no, it's just stinky, horrible. You know, and the camera said, now, pride around this. But this is not the Jesus way. Okay, this is not the Jesus way. Jesus was busy, okay? Jesus did a lot of stuff, but he did it at a pace and at a rhythm that was balanced with rest and prayer and support and all these other things, okay? So we're going to move on from the stress out community. Um, sometimes as a reaction to the stress out community, and sometimes just because this is the way that things have developed, we get a cozy community. So here we're really high on support, um, but really low on challenge. So what does a kind of cozy community look like? So on the positive of high support, a really welcoming community that really encourages people to belong. There's great care for one another, practically, emotionally, and spiritually, genuine relationships, a desire to help identify and use every person's gifting. I think this is really where the, you know, the high invitation is really where the, the priesthood of all believers comes in. You know, there's that real desire that every member of the body is using their gift and serving one another. And it's, it's just it's, it's a beautiful thing. And the focus is on the team and people are energized by being together. But, okay, so all of those things are good. But with low challenge, we get into a maintenance mindset where we're trying to look after what we've got and make it better. There can be too much emphasis on the team and people start wondering what the task is. We feel a little bit purposeless. 
Sometimes the reluctance to try new things, because that can be painful and we want to make everything comfortable, we don't want to cause pain, so we kind of shy away from change. A community ultimately that can become quite inward looking and no extension of the kingdom. And this becomes the cozy community. That's the hug image. Okay, so the kind of response to this is not to ditch challenge and to ditch support because that is obviously the apathetic community. It's to, it's to be a community that really models what we see Jesus doing, which is high invitation and high challenge. And this is the discipling community. This is what Jesus did. This is actually working out how he discipled. And the discipling community is a growing community. And at times, as a community, we maybe need a bit more of one hand than we needed the other. And this requires discernment. And one of the things I want to pray for as we close is I want to pray for Glenn and for our leadership team. Because as they lead us, they need discernment over this. You know, is it a season where we need, we need to embrace more challenge, or is this a season where we need to embrace a little bit more invitation and support? How do we blend those two together? But actually, you all of us, every single person here, we have a role to discern this in our own lives and also in our relationships and community. When we speak to one another, you know, when I'm talking to somebody, what's the Holy Spirit saying? Does this person need to hear something of God's challenge? Actually, they need to hear something of God's support at the moment. And we can ask the Holy Spirit to do that. And as I mentioned before, we, I think we usually have a preferred hand, like one that feels that it fits kind of most comfortably with us. Like something when I'm describing all the positive about the physical community of thinking, oh yeah, that's just wonderful. When I'm describing all the kind of positive about the challenge, you challenge me, you're like, oh, it just sounds wonderful. I think we have a preference, actually. And part of our maturity is, like, as disciples of Jesus, is to learn to use both. Not just to learn to use the one that feels like it's the most natural thing. Okay. It's quite a lot to think about there, I think. I'm going to pray for us. And I really like, yeah, I'm going to pray for us that this would sit with us. Also, I've been sitting with this word for about three weeks. So I have a lot of time to think about. So I want to pray for each of us that this would sit with us. And even this next week, God would speak to us about how these two disciples hands are at work in our own lives, how we minister those to other people. And what contribution we have to make all of us together as a church to build a disciple.